Hey, this is your host Shane with Radical Rocks. Today we've got an exciting episode, jam-packed full of agates from Agate Creek, Bloody Basin, Rotocrosite, Gardening on the Moon, and so much more. On the first part of the journey, I was looking at Radical Rocks. There were fossils, minerals, and rocks and things. There were sand and hills and rings. The first thing I found was a geocrystals. Quartz with no clouds. Agate was hot and the ground was hard. But the gems were there to be found. See, I've been through the desert, found a rock with no name. Felt good to have in my hand. In the desert, that's right radical rocks are everywhere so today we have a whole bunch of subjects from the moon to mars to asteroids new mineral discoveries rotocrosite dinosaur news um, agate creek in australia bloody basin plume and a special section on rotocrosite so I think you're really going to enjoy that. Thank you guys for supporting us on social media. We're real big on MeWe. You just look up Radical Rocks on your favorite social media, and we should pop up on most of them. We're not on all of them, but we're on quite a few. Also, check out our new YouTube video on how to harden and stabilize gemstone material. we got a step-by-step guide there on how I do it and uh, even incorporated a vacuum chamber so that's pretty cool anyway let's get right into it without any further ado first thing I want to talk about is the five most sought after gemstones in the world so some of these subjects I didn't cover in the intro so we've got a lot of good stuff John McLean tells us at the super or scoopearth.com all about these five rarest minerals we're not going to spend too much time on this because we have discussed some of these type of of, uh, conversations before but why are they more sought after well it's value it's rarity it's demand all these things combined Um, some of the rare ones may not have you know thousands or millions of peoples around the world looking for them Um, but consider for example amethyst at one time amethyst was very valuable thought to be very rare and then in the last 50 to 100 years why a lot of deposits have been uncovered and finding this stone now it's very affordable most anybody can afford it in most of the uh, somewhat affluent countries Now, diamonds are considered rare, but there's really a ton of them. But uh, because the market is controlled, they're able to keep the the values up. But when you talk about red diamonds, these are super rare. It is probably the rarest and most valuable gemstone. They're so scarce that between 1957 and 1987, there was none of them submitted for grading to the gemological community. Uh, Institute of America. That's where gemstones are typically graded. Ones of this caliber and quality and rarity, they would have to be somewhat decent to be worth spending the money to have them graded. Uh, Red diamonds were found at the Argyle Diamond Mine in Australia in 1987 
And since the 30 years past that, less than 20 carats of red diamonds have been found. It was permanently closed uh, in November 2nd, 2020. So there's no new sources of red diamonds known. So they're going to be going up in value. Another red stone we've talked about is red beryl. This uh, is like a red emerald. It is only found in specific environments and only found in a couple locations around the world. One of them is Utah. Very, very beautiful. Uh, they don't even have to be that big, but uh, gem quality red beryl is extremely valuable. You would want to have that certified. Uh, bentotite is the rarest gemstone in the world. It uh, was the rarest anyway until red beryl kind of replaced that as the rarest in 2006. It's only found in San Benito County. Beautiful blue crystals, very rare, hard to find. I had an opportunity to buy this a long time ago, kind of kicked myself for not doing it. Black opal, another one that is found in Australia, a few places here in the United States. Very unique, very rare, can sell for thousands of dollars per carat. And then Alexandrite, one that I have mentioned is beautiful. It's prized for its unique color-changing properties. It can appear darker or lighter in different lighting. It can go from emerald green in sunlight to ruby red in candlelight. Remarkable property is caused by the stone's unique chemical composition, which includes both chromium and vandium. And some have other color changes as well. So... Uh, it's found a lot in Russia, but also is being found in uh, South America areas. So those are some of the rarest and most sought after right now. Now, here's something that's even rarer. Rare and mysterious cosmic gem created by ancient catastrophic collision between a dwarf planet and an asteroid. Um, CBSnews.com tells us uh, by Lee Cohen all about this mineral, which is really quite a find. They have a video here, but science uh, scientists have discovered that this ancient, they feel, catastrophic collision between a dwarf planet and an asteroid is responsible for this rare and mysterious cosmic gem. The proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences unveiled that they say it's four and a half billion year old collision created Lonsdaleite. It is a crystal that could potentially be harder than regular diamond. The crystal structure is hexagonal. It explains why Lonsdaleite is also called a hexagonal diamond. The discovery came from finding the gem in Uralite meteorites, which according to space.com are a rare class of space rocks that scientists believe contain material from the center of the mantle of dwarf planets. Scientists used advanced electron microscopes to analyze these minerals and these diamond, these Lonsdaleite diamond formations. They are very small, very tiny. The biggest one is only a micron in size. You couldn't even see that with your eye, but they can see it on a slide. And um, they didn't just find the source of the mysterious crystal, but they actually found it. They have the largest 
Lonsdaleite crystal known to date that are up to a micron in size, much thinner than a human hair. This could pave the way for advancement in industrial processes, the team said. Well, they could use these materials if they can duplicate what they see or replicate it. They can make replacement parts um, that would be very, very strong and last a long, long time. So that's, that's kind of some of the things they're hoping to do with this newly discovered mineral. And uh, we'll just have to see what comes on down the line. Now, how would you like to do some gardening on the moon? This is a real thing. Minnesota West students interested in gardening on the moon. So why would you do that? This article on the internet, uh, Plant the Moon Challenge website, says, Can you grow crops in lunar uh, soil? The fine, grainy, dusty covering of rocks that spread across the surface of the moon. If you go to dglobe.com, you can look up this article and uh, read all about it. But in short, they have, uh, they're fascinated with the idea of looking at the moon some 238, 9,000 miles away, and could we do it? They have a simulated moon dirt that they will buy. Um, it is a, a Institute of Competition Science in collaboration with NASA Solar System Exploration Research Virtual Institute. One of their main things that they have to overcome is the pH. They will have to find ways to do that. They will be given a pot of soil. Uh, it is $400 for the Plant the Moon kit, which will be enough synthetic lunar soil for four to 10 pots. So a lot of people are probably gonna be interested in this. This is kind of for fun. It's kind of a competition. And um, through the biology department, um, budget. There's no fee for that, but this kit is all you have to buy. So they're going to give them a 10-week growing period from September 26th to November 18th, and then submit your project reports and all the uh, experiments. There's not like a huge, big prize. There will be awards given out, but this will help students learn critical thinking skills, communication, collaboration, and essential skills in modern scientific fields. Pretty cool stuff. If you want to go check it out, you go to https semicolon backslash backslash plantthemoon.com and check that out. I thought that was really interesting. I wanted to share that with you guys. Tulip City Gym and Mineral Club brings 52nd annual show to Holland. I don't do a lot of gym shows anymore in the um, in the podcast because, well, you might have missed it or sometimes it just, I find a lot of times they tell you about it the weekend, you know, the Friday before and then I do my podcast on Monday and it's too late. But I thought this was kind of cool because our friends in Holland, I haven't really got to say much about them. So I like being able to share um, different things from different countries all around the world because we're all and a brother and sisterhood of those who love rocks and gems and minerals and uh, maybe even fossils. But the Tulip City Gem and Mineral Club 
is going to have their show Friday through Sunday, September 16th and 18th at the Soccer Stop Complex, 5 River Hills Drive in Holland. The admission is only $3. I mean, what a deal. They have some beautiful displays here of some of the fossils and uh, agates and different gemstones that they've collected. There's a wonderful selection of uh, labyrinth and also some uh, nice amethyst there and many other things available. And um, they have a market and they also talk about the Tulip City Gym and Mineral Club holding their monthly meeting on the Wednesdays, uh, the last Wednesday of each month at 7 p.m. at the Howard Miller Community Center, 14th Street Church in Zeeland. So that's kind of cool. I wanted to share that little shout out with our friends in Holland. Because we are now in over 60 countries, I believe. The podcast is actually being uh, picked up and listened to all over the world. So it's exciting to me that we can all um, have fun and and, um, be neighborly and brotherly when it comes to rocks, gems, and minerals, with the world being so crazy. Next, the Asian Times at asiantimes.com tells us the recent successful discovery of lunar minerals. Well, China has found some pretty spectacular things lately, a brand new mineral. So they are firing up with three more missions. The article here says uh, it's by Vidae Pongala. And I'm probably saying that wrong. But it says China is the third country to find a brand new mineral on the moon after U.S. and Russia. And uh, it does kind of say that there's kind of this clash between the U.S. and Russia, and it goes into that a little bit. But this CNMNC is the Commission on New Minerals, Nomenclature, and Classification has approved this new mineral as uh, being brand new. It is... Colorless and transparent crystal consisting of helium-3, which has been heralded as an energy source of the future. I think we talked about this, how they might be able to uh, kind of use a catalyst to get uh, um, a helium out of there, kind of like a hydrogen type thing, and be able to use that for fuel cells and, and energy or power. So kind of neat. Um We did go into that a few podcasts back, how they can do that. They also feel that this is helpful in knowing about the moon. Most of the vehicles that have gone to the moon uh, and collected samples have gone to the, what they feel is the older part of the moon that they feel is billions of years old. Well, this area that China went to is actually one of the younger areas. And uh, here they go, finding something really cool and new. So the clash of the giants, um, this is a little bit on the article here about how NASA and China seem to be in some sort of a space competition. Both U.S. and China are concentrating on the South Pole of Mars in order to find water. Um, As the U.S. discloses its plans for Mars, China seems to be trying to uh, keep right up and do the same thing. So pretty interesting. Hopefully they'll, they seem to be sharing um, what they find. China discovers a new, new moon mil- mineral on lunar samples. Andrew Jones tell us about this 
in a little bit more detail at space.com. We were just talking to it about, about that a moment ago. I seem to be tripping over my tongue here. This lunar mineral is was found in a crystal inside samples collected in 2020. This uh, crystal is a column, columnar type. It was found in lunar basalt and particles and examined in laboratories in China. And in Beijing, the Institute of Uranium Geology, who found a single crystal of Cheng site using X-ray diffraction while studying particles collected on the moon. So there's a little video here if you want to see it. Just go to space.com and look up China discovers new moon mineral in lunar supplies. The article goes into some other detail about the history and uh, lunar samples that they found and how this mineral was described, which we've already talked about. And you can check that out if you want. The oldest mammal on Earth, guess what it was? According, you know, every other week, right? It's this is the oldest, the biggest, the newest, the latest, the oldest, the biggest, the smallest, right? They're always trying to outdo each other. Um, I really think it's almost a joke to me that everything's always older than the last one. No, nobody ever goes, oh, you know, we just found something and it totally sucks. And uh, it's way, it's not as old as we thought and this and that. And it's like, it, they never go backwards. They're always bigger and bigger uh, claims. So I'm just kind of, you know, I just feel like some of this stuff, they must have to backtrack once in a while. I just can't believe that it's always older and bigger and better. <laughs> but anyway, this tiny little animal, uh, 20 centimeters, about the size of a mouse, you know, about two and a half inches long, not counting the tail, was found in Rio Grande do Sul, uh, and it is considered the oldest animal on the planet due to their testing and all this stuff. And um, it is basically a relative of a mouse, if you want to find out more about that. Now let's talk about bloody plume agate. We are getting right through this good stuff today. Bloody plume agate, our friends at Rock and Jim Magazine. Go to rock, the letter M, N rather, and Jim.com. You can find out about this. We've talked about it before. Um, this particular story is shared by Russ Kenyuth and some beautiful pictures of this gemstone that is bright orange, uh, yellow, with the um, almost a bluish purplish hue to the the agate parts it's so it's kind of like a brocaded jasper but it is it is considered a plume and bloody basin plume is named after the road in arizona where it's found fiery yellow orange and red colors with billowy plumes and moss patterns are possible to be found it uh, was uh, you can find it at various sites. This would be uh, a very off-the-road, bloody basin road in Yavapai County in the Tonto, Tonto National Forest. That's T-O-N-T-O -O National Forest. And um, it is an area where the Army had confrontations with Apache Native Americans back in 1873. That's why they call it Bloody Basin. Picking out the rough is not difficult. Um, if you see it there, it 
shows its pattern when wet. Bring a spray bottle. It can be vuggy, which means it has little pits and holes. Sometimes this can really make your cabochon look good if you cut out around a little vug or a little druzy area. Some of those little sparkling little druzies that uh, form in there are quite nice. Slabbing the material, you want to look for the orientation of the plume going from south to north. The direction you want to show so that your slabs reveal plume growth patterns. Um, no cuts are the same and patterns are ever changing, so it is kind of a, a crapshoot, but that's, that's what's recommended here. Um, cutting and finishing, you know, this is a typical agate, 6.5 on the Mohs scale. Start off grinding. Uh, they say 60 grit. I don't know. You could do 80 or 100. And then just keep going. And uh, once you're up to the 280 grit, you can uh, go to 600 grit. And if you have a 1400 grit, you can go to 600 grit. And then you can polish with a, a thin oxide or an iron oxide. But if you have a 14,000 grit wheel, that will make it look like glass. So um, Zam polishing is also something that could work even if you just had a Dremel or something like that, all right? So that is the Bloody Plume. Now, our friends over at um, Christensen's Mineral Collection, you can go check that out if you want. They have the website there. You can look it up online. They have quite a beautiful uh, gemstones and mineral samples, mostly mineral samples, Wolfenites in uh, rectangular uh, square crystal formation. Quite beautiful from the Raleigh mine. Uh, also Wolfenite from the Raleigh mine as well. Uh, Shelite black moral mine is uh, a white uh, mineral with some black little specks in there. They have a lot of stuff. They, they were the ones we talked about last week that had the rat's hair plissamine in Mexico. I saw it there and it actually motivated me to do a bunch of research. Um, so that's always fun on rat's hair plissamine. If you didn't get to hear that, that's a pretty cool in-depth look at that particular mineral. Now we've got a couple other um, discussions. One will be exploring Australia's Agate Creek and then we'll go into rhodochrosite and to a little bit of depth. Again, our friends at Rock and Jim at rock, the letter N, gym.com. They send me emails. You can subscribe. They'll send this stuff to you. They tell us the history about Agate Creek. These are our friends in Australia. They don't rock hound. They go fossicking, which is basically the same thing. And they actually have a beautiful area. Agate Creek has what they call a general permission area, or GPA, uh, for an acronym. It's about 45 square kilometers, and there's Arima Hills. Agate Creek runs the length of it. It's dry most of the time. This is kind of a deserty area. It, uh, it's near the gold mining town of Forsyth, and the road passes by a turnoff, and there's a tourist attraction of Cobalt Gorge. Uh, generally well-maintained, but uh, you got to be careful. And there's a gold mine adjoining the southern boundary that was opened, uh, near uh, this area as well. There's camping available there. It can hold up to 50 people or more. 
and uh, you can find out about that. They have daily, weekly, uh, weekly camping fees by the owner of the old Robin Hood station who owns the GPA land and maintains the facilities. So Agate Creek Fossicking area is within the valley system, bordered by weathering sandstone, uh, quite, quite a, a beautiful uh, rustic desert type area. Now, you want to take all your garbage out with you, but it, they go into what is agate, which I think we know about that. It's uh, beautiful, translucent, usually pale colored in this area, frequently sliced into slabs, and uh, sometimes people even dye it. But there's banding that's available here. Agate Creek Agate has a concentric banded pattern, but other types such as moss agate, dendric, seam, and tubad agates Banded onyx and shard onyx can be found. While most nodules are solid agate, others have agate little outer layers packed tightly with quartz crystals that grow inside, uh, inward, and fill the voids. Um, some of the geodes are lined with crystals of quartz, oregonite, or calcite. And then uh, there's always the, the chance that it could be anything in there right? There could be a, in different colors, designs. You will see many, many different uh, variations. They tell you how to access this collecting area, the GPA. Turn right off the campground gate, go south, left at the fork, Gilberton turnoff, and the first field you come to is black soil on the left. Black soil is literally that. There's a bunch of black soil, dark cracked, fine silk with pieces of agate and quartz everywhere you look. No digging is required, but some of the prize pieces you may want to dig. Check and collect the high spots. Um, little pieces for tumbling and calving can be found all over. Uh, astonishing array of colors and patterns. Um, when it rains, this is a great time to come look. Uh, they give instruction on digging, looking in the creeks, looking on the flats, the sides of riverbeds. A lot of untouched territory here to be dug. Diggings are in sandy loom, easy for a pick and shovel. Um, other areas, it's more packed and tight and could take a little bit more work. You can feel the weight. Once you get one of them uh, recognized, you will have an eye for these agates and chalcedonies with the outer shi uh, shells and skins, the way they look, they can look quite plain, but once you get a good view for them, you will be able to identify them. Crystal Hill is also worth a visit, uh, relatively central to the GPA. A short walk to the top gives you a spectacular 360 degree view of the whole plain where geodes filled with white, clear, smoky quartz, or occasional amethyst crystals are likely to be found. Another area, Bald Hill, Mushroom Rock, and Chimneys. These are three that are named after landmarks and topography. Pink Patch and Green Patch are named for predominant colors of the stones found there. Some unique rock and mountain formations are there, also beautiful for photographing. Tips for Whoops, my mic fell down here. Tips for collecting, um, just bring the right tools, be safe, tell people you're there, and uh, so on and so forth. This uh, story was accredited to Gina Clark and Leah Twine, 
and they did a fine job on it. If you want to look that up and um, get all the information in its entirety, we just merely skimmed the surface. Rhodochrosite. I love rhodochrosite. I've got some from, um, from um, oh no, I can't think of it, South America. We'll talk about it. Rhodochrosite is a pink mineral. Um, it can be bright pink, light pink. It can be banded. You can find it here in America. These uh, come from the Sweet Home Mine in Colorado. I have a couple small pieces of that. Um, some of the largest rhodochrosite crystals ever found were found there. And the largest crystal called the Alma King is a single 15 millimeter crystal that was found in Sweet Home Mine in 1992. Now this is a pure crystal of it, of course. There could be rhodochrosite found um, with calcites and softer other minerals. Um, but the deeper the color and the transparency, the well-formed crystals are the most beautiful, really. Um, found in South Africa and Peru, these crystals are cubical, uh, cubical, cubular in uh, structure. And uh, also... In Argentina, rhodochrosite forms in stalagmites and stalactites, and uh, it's from precipitating water. It can be in layers and grow over the centuries. The stalagmites uh, can be quite beautiful with these concentrical bands, uh, layer after layer, and sliced can be quite beautiful and polished for jewelry. These would belong to calcite because the carbonics that... Uh, were absorbing this rhodochrosite, and that is how they were able to be formed. Um, you can go to minerals.net and look up rhodochrosite to find out a lot of uh, technical information as to the cleavage, the fracture, the transparency, um, that it is a, the rock type is igneous, sedimentary, and metamorphic, so it comes in many different forms. Or you can go to mine.dat dot org and find out about rhodochrosite where there's some beautiful pictures of uh, the crystal samples of rhodochrosite uh, from the sweet home mine mount bros alma mining district park in colorado usa rhodochrosite also found in south africa when the mag magnanese fields at the northern cape and uh, other areas i believe in china Rhodochrosite's found at the Wolf Mine in Germany. Some beautiful crystals can be found there as well. They're a little bit smaller, but uh, still quite beautiful. One thing about uh, MindDat that I like is they usually have maps that you can go to to find rhodochrosite. Um, you know, granted, if the area is open, it says it commonly occurs as a primary. Uh, Mineral in moderate to low temperature hydrothermal veins, also in high temperature uh, deposits and sedimentary manganese deposits in large stage hydrothermal minerals with pegmatites, especially uh, lithlolite bearing ones. So that's pretty cool. I have never been able to find it myself, but uh, I would be quite happy to do that. Uh, it comes in colors of pink, rose, red, yellowish, gray, brown, white, gray, colorless, pale, rose, and uh, so on and so forth. And then uh, reds occur when the mineral has minimal iron content. Uh, they talk about how it would be on a uh, 
Spectralite. It talks about the chemical. And let's see if they have any locations of where you can find it. They talk about the cellular structure. Uh, pretty cool. There is a bunch of links for more information on rotocrosite discussions uh, from 1961 to to 1995, all the way up there. Um, what else? What else? The cinnamons. Okay, whoops. No, no. Scratch that. Okay, so some of the areas, uh, it is... Is this areas or languages? I think that is languages. Never mind. Okay, come on. Ah, here we go. It can have dolomite. Wow, it's quite a lengthy file here. I did just only look at the top, and I thought I would be able to scroll down very quickly to the countries of where you would find it. There's all kinds of footnotes in this, all sorts of internet links. And here is the map, finally, about a quarter way down the page, which it is a super long page. We are finding occurrences of rhodochrosite in South America, um, hundreds of locations in America, uh, Africa, somewhere in the middle of Europe here, Russia, China, it looks like all over. So this is found in its various forms. Um, maybe not the beautiful crystals, but in various forms. Argentina, that's where you find the really nice banded uh, rhodochrosite. Pretty nice. Big bands, large. Colorado, the bands are tighter, but uh, they're usually smaller. Australia, yes, you can find it there all over Austria. Yes, all over. Wow. Wide range. So with that, guys, I think we're going to call it a day. I want to thank you for stopping by Radical Rocks. Thank you for joining our social media, liking, subscribing, and sharing with your friends our podcast. Um, there's just not a lot of, uh, I don't think there's any other podcast on rocks and gems and minerals that uh, covers the wide array of subjects that we do. So with that, guys, thanks for stopping by. Remember, until next time, rockhounds don't die, they petrify.